Welcome, everyone. My name is Mike Verbsky, and you are listening to Limitless. This podcast is brought to you by the Academy of Amputation and Limb Difference Physical Therapy. Good evening, everyone. Once again, my name is Mike Burbsky. I'm coming to you from Limitless, put out from the Academy for Amputation and Limb Difference Physical Therapy. For those of you that have heard our podcast before, I want to welcome you all back again this evening. And for those of you that are first timers, we've got a very exciting and hopefully informative show for you tonight. This evening, I am with Patty Young. She is the National Program Manager for the Amputation System of Care through the VA. Patty has been with the VA since 2010. She's been in her current position since 2019. She earned her master's in physical therapy from Northeastern University and got a certification in prosthetics from Cal State. Most importantly, Patty Young, she is a classmate of mine. We graduated from Northeastern University. Patty, I don't know if I want to say how many years ago it actually was at this point, but <laughs> oh, what the heck? It's been 20 years. <laughs> It has. Sadly, it has. It's a little embarrassing to say that too, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes, yes, but my gray hairs give it away anyway, yeah. so I can't hide it very well. Ditto. Ditto, Mike. I'm with you. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited about this. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to have you. So, Patty, as I say, so we graduated 20 years ago, so that takes us back to 2002. You've been with the VA since 2010. How did you come to join up with the VA system? So it's kind of, kind of a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. Um, after PT school, I fell in love with rehab. So I did inpatient rehab in various locations, one in Jersey, um, where I'm from, one in Pennsylvania outside of Philly. I ran the amputation program at Bryn Mawr Rehab Hospital, and I loved it. But I wanted more, and I became really close with some of the um, prosthetists who used to come into the, into the clinic and. One of them suggested with all my questions, he said, why don't you just go to prosthetic school? And so I was like, all right, I'll do that. So I quit my job and I went back to my first job and did weekend work from Friday to Monday. And then I worked on my hand skills in prosthetics Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I volunteered for three days of the week and then worked the other four. So um, I went to prosthetic school. And when I was doing my residency in prosthetics back with the guys who I was referring to before, they are at Prosthetic Innovations in Eddystone, Pennsylvania. Tim and Mike Rayer and Chris Dalmas is who I studied under. They're amazing. They're such a great group of guys. And I finished my residency and they had offered to stay on. But I had met my husband and uh, he was in Michigan. So I moved to University of Michigan uh, Medical Center for my next job. Went back to physical therapy, but always kind of wanted to combine the two. So I was looking around and I was uh, on... USAjobs.gov because my husband was a police officer looking for federal work. And uh, he said, look at this job. It's for you. So I looked at it and it was the amputation rehab coordinator for the amputation system of care. And it was someone who was savvy in the world of amputation care, both prosthetically and from a rehab perspective. And so I applied and I got the job. So um, I always felt like it kind of combined my two passions of being a physical therapist and being a prosthetist. And so I got to run the program at the Richmond, Virginia Regional Amputation Center, which is one of 25 sites in the amputation system of care. That's great. That's a great story, actually. I always love hearing it, especially as we've gone through our careers and 
how our paths take us to where we are today. Because I'll tell you now, although this didn't exist 20 years ago, Patty, but he had told me at graduation that I was going to be sitting here now doing podcasts, I would have <laughs> told you you were nuts. Right. Exactly. I hear you. You would have told me I was going to be a government employee. I would have told you you were nuts. Exactly. So I totally agree. I agree. I know. It's funny how where we go and, and the path that, you know, that we take that takes us there, which is kind of cool. So, yeah. So what exactly is the amputation system of care? Um, so the amputation system of care is a national program within the VA. So back in 2008, I believe it was the office of the inspector general who came through and said, you know, we're just not doing enough for veterans with limb loss. We need a more comprehensive program. Obviously the VA has specialized in post-amputation and prosthetic care for years, but they wanted a more formal approach to it. And post 9-11, we all know that these men and women came back pretty banged up from all of these, these IEDs and and the RPGs that were out there, and and it, they were coming back banged up. And so with limb loss and oftentimes multiple limb loss, they just wanted a program that was nationally based. And so what they did was they chose 25 sites to be sort of like centers of excellence. So there are seven regional amputation centers, and then there are 18 polytrauma amputation network sites. And many of these were sort of in conjunction with the polytrauma rehab program, which is across the VA as well. And that deals with just that polytrauma, including the TBI population. So that's kind of where the amputation system of care came from. The polytrauma program had been set up because of all the TBIs that were that they were finding were coming back from overseas. And then the amputation system of care kind of followed suit maybe a year or two later and set up these 25 sites kind of alongside or in conjunction with those sites. So Richmond, Virginia, where I started, is one of the seven regional amputation centers. So, and really, honestly, the goal of the amputation system of care is to provide comprehensive, holistic, patient-centered care. And really, it's, it's I tell people, it's, it's like being part of a really cool club because you always have someone you can contact in the amputation system of care, these 25 sites all have something called an amputation rehab coordinator. And that's what one of, you know, that was my position for the for the nine years I was, I started, you know, the beginning of my career with the VA was nine years as an ARC is what we refer to it because everything of course is an acronym in the VA. But so I was an ARC and I was one of 25 and the 24 people I worked with were 24 of the most outstanding, passionate, awesome people. I mean, so smart, so savvy, so experienced. So I learned a ton from all of them and, and some, many of, of whom have now since retired in the last nine years or so. But we have a really incredible group of amputation rehab coordinators now. I'm very passionate about providing that care to the veteran. And so that person is kind of like the point person. So our veterans know they can call us, their caretakers call us, their family members call us. They're oftentimes their primary care doctors or whomever it is who's working with them knows that you know how it is as a PT you sort of like get to know the family you get to know the patient right and so we always kind of know a little bit more of the ins and outs with the patient so it's a really incredible position in the VA and all 25 of those people work their tails off they are kind of like the jack of all trades but
but yeah, so that's what the amputation system That's is. great. I mean, even for us, you know, my facility, we thrive on that interdisciplinary approach and kind of PTOT, we kind of spearhead. So yes, we're the ones, cause you know, we see the patients for two hours a day between two disciplines. We get all those right. ins and outs. We get all those family dynamics, interdynamics, and we're the ones often that are kind of spearheading between wound care and nurse. Psychiatry. Yes, exactly. It's, know, I, I tell people I'm kind of like the prosthetists. Right, right. The PT is kind of like the um the cruise director on the, on a cruise. Yeah, we sort of we know everyone. We we know how to get in touch with everyone, and so that's kind of what we do. Like you said, wound care, nursing, physicians. You know all the various therapies. The you know social work, the psychologist. We're sort of like you know the movers and shakers of the group. So yeah, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I imagine you guys then also do more long-term follow-up after they've been discharged oh um, yeah they're never discharged <laughs> i tell I like people once you lose your limb you're always my friend you're always <laughs> part of my team so yeah no we do long-term follow-up actually we're, that's one of the big things and really it's it's the lifelong care um mm-hmm. that's the emphasis is you know because veterans as they get older i mean they they have different differing needs i mean every patient as they get older they have differing needs and, you know, I have like one of my favorite patients is wounded army medic, um, Vietnam helicopter, um, severed his legs. And he has been a person living with limb loss since like 1967 or 68. And, you know, he was, a, he was a beast before, like he was a wheelchair basketball player and a bowler and a, he did it all. He never walked with prostheses and, um, he's always had too much pain. And um, so it's funny because now I see him in a different light. You know, he tore his one rotator cuff and I'm like, oh, you got to let me help you with the chair. He's like, no, 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 I'm not doing a power chair. I'm not doing, you know, assist wheel, power assist wheels. I'm like, come on. So it's it's hard. I mean, but but he's, it's it's the aging process, right? And, right, right. and we kind of see it from the beginning and then we watch the aging happen. And so these veterans never leave our care and we see them annually. You know, we're there every time they're admitted. We try to facilitate anything we can for them. Um, in the VA, the VA is a very amazing organization to work for. We can get people stair glides, ramps, modifications to their home, adaptive equipment, adaptive sports equipment involved in different activities. So it's pretty cool because if they stop, let's say they stop walking and maybe that's their sense of mobility for years, we try to maintain a sense of mobility and and involvement in their community by just kind of shifting gears to something that might help them engage with their community in a different way. So. Right. Yeah. And say for us, on uh, my side of it, you know, that's where I have my connections with all my different vendors. So I've got yes. my ramp guy and I've got my bathroom guy and I've got, you know, this one who's handling DME equipment and changing DME. But yeah. Don't you remember I sent you over there for this bench? I need you to go back <laughs> and swap it out now. You know, so yeah. Kind oh, of. Yeah. Like you said, the cruise director. Yep, that's constant. <laughs> yeah, so it's good. It's fun. And again, though, this is, like you said before, this is how we get to know them so well because we kind of are in the trenches with them in many ways. So Yeah, oh, absolutely you are. Absolutely. That's yeah. the, the, the role of the, the physical therapist, the occupational therapist, that, that's what we kind of do best. Yeah, I agree. What sort of other services you provide to the veterans, both immediately following their injury as you're getting them through those initial phases of their recovery, and but then also in terms of their lifelong goals? We do a little of everything, you know. So 
because we're the VA, we have a lot of opportunity for research based treatments as well as, you know, just the resources that we have, which again, I know I'm very fortunate that I get to provide these things to my patients. Things like sprint device for um, pain management. We do a lot of acupuncture, you know, mirror therapy, that kind of stuff post amputation. We do a lot of battlefield acupuncture, which is, it, for those who don't know what it is, it's tiny little needles or pins really um, that go in the ears and stay in the ears for up to 14 days. Um, but it does help with a lot of pain and discomfort. Obviously, we provide inpatient and outpatient um, services. We provide opportunities for involvement in the whole health or wellness program. The VA has tons of those right now. We have something called the MOVE program. Uh, we have something called the BAM program, which is Be Active and Move. But it's really just kind of keeping veterans mobile and 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 active and and involved. It's oftentimes something of like a, I kind of equate it to almost something like a Weight Watchers class. Okay. In that you sort of show up every week and you have other people around and you're all in class together and you're all learning about wellness and and how to care for yourself. And it's really awesome, very interactive. And you know what it provides, especially during the pandemic, right? In the height of the pandemic, sure. people weren't leaving. So this was a great opportunity to do virtually, which was totally cool. So these veterans were, I mean, there were exercise programs. There were cycling classes online, which was totally cool. Almost like a VA version of Peloton. <laughs> so it was awesome. Um, so yeah, so we get them involved in, there's so many organized events in the VA. There's a summer sports clinic the Winter Sports Clinic, the Veterans National, you know, the National Veterans Wheelchair Games, the Golden Age Games, the, there's so many different opportunities. The tea tournament, um, the arts, creative arts um, festival. It's just, there are so many opportunities for them to be involved. And so that's what we try to do. We try to, you know, again, because we know them so well, we kind of tap into a little bit more about them and we get to, um, get to get to, you know, get them involved. So I had a veteran who was very much a recluse we actually lost both legs at the same time. That's terrible. And he was kind of living alone and not really feeling all that positive about things. And his sister said, you got you to gotta shake this off. And he said, I want to walk. And we told him, you know, you can't be living by yourself in a place that's not safe. So you have to secure a good apartment. And if we're going to take you in and teach you how to walk with stubbies, we're going we're gonna to need you to, to, you know, put a little effort into finding a place to live. So we did. And in the midst, and this is again a guy who was super quiet, super reserved. Um, he came to our rehab and spent 25 days in our rehab learning how to walk with stubbies, and he killed it. And he did so well. And in the midst of that, that 25 day stay, we learned that he loved to play pool. And we were like, "Wait a second, we didn't know you loved to play pool." So he, we got him involved in some training and some activities that were organized pool tournaments and organized pool pool playing days. And uh, he ended up going to the National Veterans Wheelchair Games and competed in pool and won a gold. Nice. So it was kind of cool because there's a guy who was like, I'm not going. You're crazy. I'm not going, Patty. Leave me alone, <laughs> Patty. And then he ended up going. So I was like, <laughs> like, we threw him this huge party. It was awesome. But yeah, so it's things like that. Like the VA... That's the beauty of the VA. We can kind of connect because again, cruise director, right? We kind of connect it all, make it all happen. And, and so we can provide things like that. We also provide um, opportunities for, you know, the, the latest and greatest in prosthetics. Um, as long as the person is clinically um, appropriate for a prosthesis or a new experimental prosthesis, then we can definitely make that happen. 
So it's just, you know, opportunity wherever we can find it, both psychosocially and mentally, as well as all of the physical opportunities we can provide them as well. So it's always great when I hear about people where they didn't do something before their surgeries, before their limb loss. Right. And, and <laughs> circumstances are, and they said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to try. And next thing you know, they're rock climbing or I they're playing golf or <laughs> playing pool or right. something along those lines. So they're opening a new business. I had a a gentleman who he was one of my peer mentors at my last job. And after his limb loss surgery was when he finally proposed. It was, they adopted a kid. He became a pastor in his church. And he just found a whole new side of himself and a whole new confidence. And he sat there in our first treatment session, just sort of quiet, withdrawn, not really interacting with anyone in the room. And then it was, all right, now let's get up. Come on, let's go. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, you know, he's becoming a peer mentor for us. <laughs> and he's incredible. Yeah. And he was one of those guys that, you know, he would walk around and he would go up to somebody that had gone through the surgery and he would say, you know, you and I are the same. And they'd look at him like at its mind. <laughs> Because he always wore pants and he walked very well. So you didn't right. know anything. And then he would, I, I shudder to say this, but he would just drop his pants. Yeah. And just show them his above the prosthetic. <laughs> go, see, I told you. And every time he would say, I'd be like, oh, no, you didn't. He goes, of course I did. You could That's just awesome. roll up your pant leg and show up the titanium. Could you? Now, you, you couldn't. <laughs> Yeah, He's it, proud of it. He had to show the whole thing, right? He was very proud. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I mean, so, and think about it. It's like you got to be a part of that. Like you got to watch it, watch him grow in a way that you didn't see that happening the first time you met him, right? When he was so reserved. No, because no, he was so withdrawn. Oh, the yeah. the shock and the trauma of the surgery, because his was a, a blood clotting disorder. Oof. And um, it basically, it was one of those, he went into the emergency room and he said, you have a choice. It's either we take your leg or you're going to die. Right. right. And he went, well, if those are my two choices. Yeah. It's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. He kind of picked door number one and figured he <laughs> figured the rest out later. Right. Wow. But that's a big, that's a big decision to be made. Though. Absolutely. So, and unfortunately it had to be kind of a spur of the moment thing. Um, right. But again, one of those guys that just blossomed almost afterwards. Well, and how awesome that he became a peer visitor, like, for us, I mean, like you, I know you work with the FT Coalition because we've had this conversation, but the FT Coalition has been an amazing resource for not just our veterans, but for us as clinicians as well, right? right. I mean, I feel like our patients learn from them, our our fellow clinicians and, and you know, learn from them. I I I'm a huge supporter and believer in in the FT Coalition and all that they provide and Absolutely. I especially love their peer visitor program. I mean, it's just absolutely. I it's mean, awesome. They, they're like, you know, one of my frequent hits on, on my work computer and my home computer, I'm telling all my patients about them to look up yeah. their websites, to look up their services. And, and that collaboration is just so key for clinician and, and patient and family alike. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the family, that's right. I mean, I didn't even say that before you're right. It's like the family looks at it half the time a patient's almost in shock after 
you know, immediately after the amputation. So you give the patient the first step and the patient automatically hands it to their spouse and says, here, you take this. I can't read it. <laughs> you know, and then you see the spouse walking down the hallway an hour or two later and they're like, I have a few questions. Yep. And then they take out a list and I'm like, wow, you don't have just a few. You have a lot. But let's do this because, yeah. you know, those articles it gets them thinking. It gets them questioning some things. And so um, I don't know, as a PT, I love that. I love when someone asks me questions, I get to like really, you know, roll up my sleeves and get all into it. And I, that's like my favorite thing is sitting down with a family member and a, and a patient and just kind of hashing it out and listening to their fears and their concerns and hopefully being able to help them with a little peace of mind. And then that certified peer visitor, you know, you arrange that, that uh, meeting and it's like the perfect trifecta of yeah of information and communication. Absolutely, so it's awesome. absolutely. Yeah. You know, the support group that we run, my place, families, friends. I mean, really, everyone is welcome because it it, it kind of goes to that holistic approach that we were talking about at the beginning. It's everyone is involved in getting that individual back to whether it's their previous work, their previous hobbies, really getting them back in that mindset, it, not just the impacts of the surgery on the, of the patient, but it affects their family, right. spouses, kids, their friends that see them every day. And, you know, a lot of, we hear this all the time, right? That I, how many of your patients didn't know an amputee firsthand until right. they became one. Right. And so their families definitely didn't know anybody. Right. And they don't know how to act around it. Right. And then you put them in a room with someone who is a person living with limb loss. And it's like, whoa, yeah. like you see a change in their demeanor. You see them perk up a little bit. I mean, I've had veterans who are like, I'm not talking to someone I don't know about this. Right. I'm like, okay, they're not looking for you to like lie on a couch and tell them your deepest, darkest secrets. Like you can talk about the weather. You can talk about sports. You don't have to talk about their limb loss. And they always guarantee me they're probably not going to ask too many questions. And then I can't stop them. I'm like, okay, that's enough. It's been an hour. No, just kidding. But it's great. I mean, they're just like constant verbal diarrhea of all the questions they have. And I love it. I just, it warms my heart when I see, you know, that connection being made between, you know, two people who are basically strangers, but they're connecting over something that is something I could never possibly understand. Yep. So, yeah, I say it all the awesome. time. And Patty, you know, you and I could tell our patients and our, our patients' families everything in the book. Everything. We know right. the textbooks. We know where to find everything. I can tell you where to look it all up. I know it all. But to sit in that support group, to sit in that peer uh, visitor session is a totally different level Agreed. that you and I can't touch. Agree. Agree. A thousand times agree. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a very precious role Those peer visitors play that's for sure absolutely it, it just takes that their healing process to a whole other level which is yeah. so important for them yeah agree yeah 100 percent. yeah yep so we spoke for a moment as far as our your your collaboration with the amputee coalition but you have some other collaborations as well work with yes yeah yeah we do a lot with so obviously amputee coalition we do a lot with the department of defense actually so we work closely with Walter Reed, CFI, the Center for the Intrepid, and C5, which is out in San Diego at Balboa. All three of those teams have provided us with a ton of educational opportunity. And I'd like to think that we've also provided them with some educational opportunity as well. 
but we work together. We collaborate on a lot of um, our veterans. You know, veterans, if they're dual eligible, meaning if they can um, receive services from both the Department of Defense and the VA, they sometimes will bounce back and forth because oftentimes they have a prosthetist who they've worked with since being in the DOD and they don't want to leave their prosthetist, which I certainly don't blame them for. Um, I, I know that. once you sure. create that, yeah, once you create that bond with someone, you don't want to, you know, it's like you don't find a new person to cut your hair every day. So, you know, it's, that's kind of how I equate it. I don't want anyone else just touching my hair. I need it. I need to go with my girl. So it's kind of <laughs> the same thing with prosthetics, you know? So it's cool. Um, but it's nice. I mean, we get to, we get to work with them on a lot and, and actually, um, one of our big things right now, and if I, if I could mention it, a pretty exciting thing that's sort of on the horizon and not even on the horizon because it's pretty, pretty much happening is um, Oprah implant. So that's actually the osseo integration. And the reason I bring it up is because we would be lost without our DOD counterparts. Our DOD team has done, the team at Walter Reed has done so much research and back and forth on, you know, they're on draft, who knows what for protocols for physical therapy and, and the rehab process. And, and they've worked with the surgeons and they've worked closely with the physiatrists and, you know, looking at lab work and imaging and to make sure that everything was just right through the process. But they've done an outstanding job with the osseo anchored prosthesis for the rehabilitation of amputees. So basically it's, we, Again, government, everything is an acronym. It's called the OPRA. And so this OPRA device is now officially being covered by the VA because of all of the hard work of the DOD and Dr. Ricard Brandemark out of, well, he's originally out of Sweden, but he's now in San Francisco, UCSF. So it's pretty cool. And I'm forever grateful to them because we've learned so much from, from the DOD. And if it wasn't for the collaboration, we would be trying to figure it out on our own. So, um, They've been wonderful. I mean, they let me call and bug them about questions I might have and ways in which to enhance the care we'll provide for these veterans. But yeah, we basically just revealed, if you will, um, <laughs> went live with our program in the big reveal in January. And it's awesome because we already have several veterans being screened for the, the um, procedure. And we're hopeful that we're going to have quite a few veterans through, you know, in the midst of the rehab process by the end of the calendar year. So it's pretty awesome. It's pretty exciting stuff. So, and that's thanks to the DOD. That's great. Yeah. I mean, the technologies that have just come out in the last 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, I can remember as we sat there in class 20 years ago, and I think our prosthetics course was about an hour. Yeah. I was going to say, wasn't it like on a long Saturday or something or a long Friday, something like that? I remember it wasn't very much, that's for sure. It definitely wasn't. It, it was basically on-the-job training is what you had. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely OJT for that. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, is the technologies and the prosthetics and the advances that have come about in the last few years are just way above what I, I think we could have thought about in the early 2000s. The late 90s, I mean, it's scary to say it, but we... I started PT school in the bank. Agree. Oh, yeah. Um, we started school the year that the sea leg was created. Yeah. That was the year we started school. And now the sea leg is like an ancient artifact. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, and it's crazy because, you know, I say this all the time and it sounds like a terrible way of putting it, but, you know, when you 
when you look at war and it's like, to me, I feel like it's so stressful and so worrisome um, that we have to put our, ourselves and our, our fellow Americans on the line, you know, like that. Um, and all that they sacrifice for us, their, their families, their loved ones, everyone that they sacrifice for us. And I feel like the only good thing that ever comes of the war situation is that the government pays a lot more attention to where research and funding is needed. And so the VA and the DOD have been huge in a lot of the advancements, you know, the X3 knee um, from Autobach, you know, that's huge. There's a huge right. advancement. The power knee um, alongside, you know, OSER, they were doing that and we were, we were able to, to, you know, order that and prescribe that for veterans before they were even able to get it prescribed by health insurance. And even now it's a struggle. Um, you know, just microprocessors in general right. for the VA, it's, it's almost like a standard of care. And really, honestly, I think it should be, especially for our patient population where they might be a little bit more prone to faults um, or have, you know, visual impairments or balance, yeah. you know, discrepancies. So it's things like that. But then also things like the Luke arm, which was nothing. It was a DARPA project for years. And it's, you know, an external battery powered arm that you move your ankles into plantar flexion, dorsiflexion to change the motion of the hand or the wrist or the elbow. And it's, it's the first of its kind. And granted, the first version is always the clunky, well, of awkward course. version. <laughs> <laughs> like everything, right? I mean, no one buys the first version of something, right? No. But, um, I didn't even yeah. buy the first version of my car. I mean. No, no, exactly. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Of course. But yeah, but it's kind of cool because the VA has been able to do that. And, and it's, again, it's not that by no means am I saying that war is a great thing. It's at least something good comes of the war, though, in that it creates opportunity for all of those innovative minds out there who can hear what is an issue and speak to what's an issue and say, you know, I want to do that. Like, let's try to address that issue. So it's cool. And, and research is a big part of it. I'm involved in research right now for upper extremity prostheses, and it's thanks to the VA and the DOD and, and all the funding we can get from that because we all, I think, can agree that upper extremity prostheses still have quite a bit of ways to go. I agree, yeah. Lower. Unfortunately, there's really no debate on that. Yeah, sadly, exactly. And it's like, oh, come on. It's 2022, for goodness sakes. Why aren't we further along, right? Yeah, and especially, yeah. and I totally admit i geek out with some of this stuff but when you look back at some of the upper extremity prosthetics that they used to make in the 1500s and oh yes, yes i fully <laughs> admit to my audience out there i have looked at this stuff i find these photos find these guys look this stuff up it's what i do i can't help it. it's awesome uh, it's so cool and innovative then right yeah i mean <laughs> And it worked with what they had. They had, right. they, you could only work with what they had. So. They worked with what they had. They, they made prosthetics that did their, their functional job then. But like you just said, we're in 2022 and still trying to figure it out. Right, right. Exactly. It's not quite as easy a, a solution as we once thought or maybe hoped it would be. But yeah. we're getting there. Little by little, we're getting there. Well, I think it just also goes to the point that the human body is extremely remarkable on its own right and what can actually do with our own nerves muscles tendons right. and ligaments and everything is such an intricate project in and of itself that's replicated it's not an easy 
how so we're we're basically very fortunate that the technology had advanced as much as it has to allow us to do as much as we can. Right. It it is it is for the most part keeping up. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's for sure. And then in all the crazy, amazing surgical procedures, you know, TMR and and the you know the targeted muscle reinnervation, it's just a great opportunity for veterans to be able to activate prostheses, you know, when and if possible by by re readjusting or relocating those those um, nerves. And then you know we had the amputation system of care hosts um, grand rounds every third Tuesday of the month from one to two. Mm-hmm. Um, Eastern time. And if, and it's actually not just for people in the VA, it's really for anyone. So if anyone out there is interested, I can uh, provide my, my uh, email address after at the end of this, but um, it's a great opportunity. And today we had Dr. Cardi, Matt Cardi from Brigham and Women's, and he told us all about the Amy procedure and his, I mean, it was amazing. It's, it's just awesome how it's not just engineers who are being innovative now, you know, it's those surgeons who are pushing the limits and trying the different things and, and seeing what, what the outcomes are and then tweaking and modifying to make it even better the next time. So it's just so cool to be amongst some pioneers, you know, and just be able to listen to them and hear them and learn from them. It's phenomenal. So. Oh, absolutely. And again, there we go again, that interdisciplinary holistic yep. air. I mean, exactly. as much as any one of us wants to think we're the end all be all of reprocess. If the surgeon doesn't, you know, do the right job, then the recovery team can't do theirs. The recovery team can't do theirs. PT, OT, possibly speech can't do their job. Nursing, wound care, their jobs become more challenging. Patients, they can't recover as quickly, as easily, as fully as they want to. Their families are thrown all into disarray through this whole process. There's so many little pieces of the puzzle that have to come together for someone to have a successful outcome. And and then, you know, we'll throw technology into, why not? Right, I mean, <laughs> at rehab engineering, right? It's become, yeah. when we were in PT school, there was no such thing as a rehab engineer, if there was. No, I, don't think, I don't think that they had a, an official name, that's for sure. That might've been more, it, <laughs> it was the guy in his garage. Yeah, well, it's the inventor, Ooh, right? Remember, right. They, they use that phrase, inventor. <laughs> but now it's an engineer, it's yeah. awesome. And those people are amazing. And yeah, that's another thing, I mean, Assistive technology, engineering, rehab engineering is, you know, any of that is, it's awesome. And you're right. We, they're just another member of the, of the very multifaceted team. That's for sure. What other sorts of services do you have as far as adaptive activities, adaptive sports that your patients can get involved in? So just kind of like throwing it out there. So, and again, this is where I'm very fortunate to work for the VA and I know that. The VA will provide veterans prostheses for activities that are beyond just their ambulating prostheses. So um, if a veteran is interested in a specific, an activity-specific prosthesis. We'll, um, we'll work with them. We'll make sure that they're physically capable of performing that activity. Uh, and then we'll work with them on providing it. You know, we've had veterans with legs specific for biking, hiking, golfing, running, obviously. So we just kind of make it happen. We do rock climbing, oh, tons of rock climbing. We have a lot of veterans who are involved in weightlifting, uh, CrossFit, that kind of stuff. 
So we take care of, of getting, you know, the prosthetic feet that allows them to do the full deadlift or the full length squat or, you know, skiing. Oh my gosh, skiing is huge in the, in the VA. Sled hockey is big. So yeah, so I mean, if the veteran shows interest, we never want to hear them, you know, say, oh, the VA didn't support me in this because we love to support our veterans in that. In fact, it's really pretty amazing when, like you said before, somebody's never done anything in their life and they have their amputation and they're like, yeah, sure, I'll try that. You're like, are you crazy? But it's a good thing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's awesome. It's it's so cool to watch them learn and see. And yeah, so so it's cool. So something um, the VA just started, you know, it was, it was um, this time last year that they started it and it was at... Um, they called it adaptive fitness. But they called okay. it the vet throwdown, the veterans throwdown. It was basically CrossFit, but it was adaptive CrossFit. Okay. So it's really cool. They gave you adaptations for the various members in the in the veteran community. So if you had a visual impairment, if you had a spinal cord injury, if you had amputation, you know, lower limb amputation, upper limb amputation. They would give you a workout and they would basically create a workout for the able-bodied person, right? And then they would modify it for the various um, populations who might be doing it. And they actually invite all veterans to be a part of this, which I thought was really cool because there was an open competition, which is obviously for those with with um, out any obvious impairment. In other words, like a physical right. impairment. And then there were various, you know, programs for those in in the various categories if you will but it was awesome people were posting their videos and it was things like you know 20 deadlifts 20 push-ups and 20 sit-ups and you do that over and over again for 15 minutes and it's just enough to kind of get your heart rate going and people would post videos and there was some smack talking which was the best and it was awesome I mean and it's you know and what's more inspiring when you see someone who is working their tail off and you look at that person and think, geez, here I am complaining about what I got going. And that guy is killing it. And he's not complaining at one iota. And maybe he's a little older. Maybe he has a little bit more of an impairment. You know, maybe he's just super inspiring because of the, his, the smile across his face. But it's cool. So, yeah, the VA is really trying to um, to kick up their, their adaptive, adaptive activities. So it's really fun to be a part of that, too. Absolutely. Like we were saying before, it's so great to see people after their limb loss surgery get back to what they were doing before, try new activities. The the limb loss surgery itself is the beginning of a journey. It, it's not right. a, an end of anything, really. About to. It doesn't have to be. You're right. And it's so funny. It's how many people automatically see it as this is the end. And you said it perfectly. It's not the end. It's really truly the beginning. It's just a new chapter. As we're kind of winding down here, I've been asking the different guests that have come on, and I'll pose the same question to you. Um, what would your message be to, whether it's to the individual who's first going through their limb loss surgery, limb loss recovery, or to possibly that clinician who hasn't worked with someone who's had limb loss, but grad or just someone who doesn't have the experience, what would your, your message be for that? It's funny. I think I would give them the same message, actually. Um, and I think the message is sort of approach every day as a new day and set little goals for the day because little goals add up to big goals. And I feel like having a little, you know, providing yourself a little bit of grace, providing yourself, you know, or taking things on with a little bit of humor 
I think that helps. I mean, the new clinician who's never seen a patient with limb loss, probably freaking out a little bit going, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I'm doing. I, I hope I remember everything from PT school. You know, you sort of have to just take it one step at a time. Yeah. Create little goals, hit the goals, hear the feedback from the patient and, you know, laugh a little about things, kind of have a, have a good, good sense of humor about it. And the same thing goes for the, for the person, you know, just new to limb loss. I know it's hard. It's, but every day, you know, little, little by little, you set the goals, you achieve the goals. And in the end, it's, you know, you've come so far and you can look back at it and be like, wow, look at what I did, you know? So it's kind of like taking everything a little, little piece at a time. So that's the best part about being a PT. I feel like we're in the thick of it. We get to see the best, the best parts you do. of the patient. Yeah. Do, absolutely. Best career, best field to be in. 100%. <laughs> I always feel like I'm bragging when I tell someone I'm a physical therapist. They look at me like, why are you smiling like that? I'm like, because it's the best job ever. Hello, it's the best career. So I want to take an extra moment here and thank Patty Young from coming on today and sharing her, her expertise, from sharing her thoughts at insights with us. Thank you so much, Patty. I appreciate this. I love this. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. And Mike, it's so funny how we've connected after all these years. I know, right? I love it. I love how our paths cross. This is awesome. <laughs> this has been so fun. Thanks for inviting me along. I love it. I, I had a really, really nice time talking. So thank you for this. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to Limitless. If you're interested in learning more about the Academy of Amputation and Limb Difference Physical Therapy, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.amputationrehab.org. I hope you enjoyed this talk today, and stay tuned for more exciting guests and information coming to you soon.